Count money, man. Money, Stack man. riches. Trying try and told, try and told him I'm a beast, bud. What's up, gang? Welcome to another episode of the Grindcast. Get ready. It's a new day, and we got a special, special guest in the house, my friend, Pat Bendor, a.k.a. The Bulldog in the house. Thanks for joining us, Bull. My pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure. My man. So, you know, we it's always a, a special day when we got an opportunity to have people on the Grindcast. We don't just have anybody on anyway, but it's really special when I have an opportunity to, to, to be on here with someone that was a part of the come up. You know, somebody that watched me in my first year, somebody that was my right hand uh, building my first ever satellite office, you know, both of us just built with super confidence and, and also a sense of nervousness. You know, Bulldog had his life on the line, you know, started in our business a little bit older than than many people. You know, a lot of times we have people starting out, you know, 20s, mid, you know, early 20s, no family, stuff like that. Bulldog started mid 30s, married already. And uh, started out with me working in Cleveland, which is the first office I worked in. And, and uh, within our first year, Bulldog and I, Pat and I, went to Columbus uh, with only two other people and started an office in scratch, uh, from, from scratch together. So both of us are, you know, kind of still learning in our first year. A lot on the line. You know, I'm early 20s, 23 years old. He's mid-30s, married. And uh, very talented, you know, came from from uh, being a business owner at one point, uh, was in the bar and nightclub industry uh, and transferred over into our business. And I remember watching him, you know, when he when he first started um, in the business, when I didn't really know a lot about him, what stuck out to me about him was two things. Um, one, he definitely looked like the police uh, for sure. Definitely looked like a cop had had the nice, the high and tight uh cop haircut with the cop uh cop glasses on which end up rubbing off on me i end up getting myself a pair down the road but he he got the cop glasses on real mean mug face and so i ended up nicknaming him bulldog for a reason because he had that scary bulldog looking face but the other thing that that stuck out to me was he was about his business he had some discipline to him that was different than everybody else everybody else would be in the office and and they'd be bsing around all the time and he was just no BS, head down, mastering his presentation, mastering his script, and and completely focused. Comes out of the gates his first month, blew everybody away. Was over twenty thousand dollars in business his first month. Now, mind you, this is when, this is fifteen years ago when people weren't writing that type of business consistently with inflation. The average deal size, you know, at that point was, uh, was was probably half or a little bit more than half the, the current deal size now. So that would be like doing 40,000, 50,000 nowadays in his, in his first month. And so just, just super special. And, uh, for him to follow me, you know, when I asked him to come to Columbus, you know, with us, I knew he had family in, in Columbus and ultimately loved the, the city of Columbus. I knew I had a fighting chance to get him down there with me, but there was, there, there wasn't too many other people I would have wanted right next to my side. For some reason, you know, this man's mid thirties, you know, well, well, uh, well, well older than me, uh, more experienced than me. And just, just gave me a sense of, uh, loyalty, coachability, 
have my back at all times, execute it, never question stuff. Um, people see a lot of what he has right now. You know, a wife, two beautiful, beautiful children, Kylie and Jacob. It's just been amazing to watch. And I remember hanging out with, with, with Bulldog and, and uh, I got to give the right background to this. You know, this is a longer intro, you know, for me, but I got to give you the right background to this. You know, I remember his vision of wanting to, to, to be in a position to provide for his family and his wife was working, working really hard. I think she was overseeing. She was like the HBIC of a, of a, like a halfway house. And she had a pager, you know, on her at all times was on call all the time. So if I was hanging with bulldog at his house, you know, in our first year and that pager went off, she had to go 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, nine o'clock, you know, didn't matter. And she, at that point, was the main income earner, and, and Bulldog's vision to me was a little bit bigger than what her vision, you know, was. She she wanted him to just make 20, 30 grand, and the family was going to be fine. And he would tell me on the side, my, my goal is to retire her and, and take our family, you know, to the, to the next level. And so fast forward time, he's done more uh, than take their family to the next level, man. He's, he's taken a lot of other people's families to the next level. Uh, he's graced the stage multiple times internationally for this company, uh, as an RGA, as an MGA has absolutely dominated when, before there was weight classes, this is like going back to when you watch the, the original UFC, you know, back in the day where you had skinny dudes fighting big fat dudes, you know, 400 pounds, there was no weight classes. When we came up in this business, there was no weight classes. Now there's all divisions for MGAs and RGAs and small guys going against small guys and 10 people can make it on stage. And, and I think that's awesome. But when we came up, there was no weight classes. It was either you were number one and you were on stage or, or, or you weren't on stage, you know, at all. And multiple times, you know, he, he, uh, he graced the stage. And, and so I think, you know, first thing I want to start out, you know, asking you, you know, Bulldog is, is to talk a little bit about our come up, you know, what you saw, what it was like, what you think made us special. You know, we took that office in Columbus from zero to a hundred thousand, you know, we were popping hundred thousand dollar weeks in less than a year. What stuck out to you? Talk a little bit about our come up. You know, it was in the beginning, it, it was when you came in the door, it was like small thinking, like you had mentioned. You know, my wife had said, you know, if you can make $2,000 a month, we'll be good. You know, and in my head, from everything I saw, everything I was told, it looked like I could do that a week. You know, and I had gone on the interview circuit, coming out of the nightclub industry, as you put it, uh, with a college degree, 15 years of business experience. I'm going on interviews trying to do something different, and nobody would give me a shot. Like everybody wanted two to three years of experience, two to three years of experience. And in my head, I'm like, well, how do you get experience in doing something different if nobody ever gives you a shot? You know, so I, I came in uh, to 12301 Ridge Road uh, and everything looked different. Like I saw people high fiving. I saw people walking around smiling like I was used to the nightclub biz where, where it wasn't like that. It was like, you know, you, you got to eat. And that, that's the bottom line, no matter what it takes. But I saw people happy. I saw a different culture. Everything felt different to me. It was like a world of positivity. You know, I was almost like it was too good to be true. But everything I saw was like you could make $2,000 a week here. And all you had to do was find, you know, one person. That was what, what my head was like. I got to find one person having success here. And then I know it's possible. But I walked in and saw a lot of people having success. And then there was one individual that, that I saw in my first meeting get a $23,000 bonus uh, for the month, back when we had monthly bonuses, not these weekly things. 
a $23,000 bonus, and the guy had a blue velvet suit on. I knew the blue velvet suit it had to come out. Had, and you got blue on today, too. I appreciate it. feels like we're it's back. It's only in right. But either way, I saw this guy do it, and I, I was like, that's it. If he can do it, all I got to do is do what he does, say what he says. The only thing he's got on me right now is he knows a little bit more. And this was like back in the day when you were straight out of Youngstown, like within your first year. Yep. You know, baggy so, suits. Yeah, so baggy suits, the, the whole deal. MC Hammer. Caddy. Pants, the whole deal. The Cadillac TVs and with, the headrest. With the 48-inch TV Player in the back. rooms. You, you was, it was like I, you pulled up and had the coolest sunglasses I'd ever seen at that time in, in that drop-top BMW that I know you gave to your mother. Yep. You know, so I was like, you know, initially, you know, people judge people from the outside in. And then as I started to force a relationship on you, like I was like hiding outside doors, listening to anything that, that you would say. I wasn't even on your team. I'd pop into your meetings. I remember you like holding up that $250 gas card that, that would get us a $200 bonus for writing 6500 back in the day. You would hold that up and, and look at me and be like, what's this guy doing in my room? What's this guy? Like you had the number one team. So it was like, I got to roll with the winners. I had to force that relationship. You know, and you said I look like a cop back in the day, and you look like somebody back in the day that some that a cop should be looking at. No doubt. But everything was above board. Everything was was great. So I, I had to force myself a relationship with you through my production. So I knew if I if I went above and beyond, like the eyeballs would would go my way. And when I first came in, I just wanted to go to work and come home. I was done being in leadership, ownership, worrying about everything, everybody. Like, I wanted to go to work, and I wanted to come home. And then real quick, like, within a month, I got promoted. And then we started moving things, and it started growing. Started winning awards, started leading from the front, set the bar high. And then when it came time to that Columbus happened, it was like it, it had to happen. It had to happen. There was probably nobody in the world I would have followed other than a 23-year-old at that time kid from Youngstown, Ohio, and everybody in the world told me I was crazy. Within six months, sold my nightclub, sold my bar, and we started from scratch with just a vision and a dream. No doubt. And, and I know you say it all the time, it was all a dream. It was all a dream. And the dream came true. And we and, and the dream came true through a lot of sacrifice and, and crazy work. You know, I think we worked every Sunday, you know, while during football season, both of us football lovers. Amen. You know, 12 to 8. You know, we're at the office, you know, calling resumes, setting appointments, getting to jump on things with Tim Clark, country, you know, country, a college teammate of mine. Tim Clark was also a father, you know, older, had a bunch of experience, but we wanted to do something special. Those those were and, and we had like one. We started out with one office, one it's small as office. Big as this carpet. That, so when people go nuts day. over like office space, you know, sometimes we I mean, we had like one phone, that was it. one or two phones. Then we got two two offices and, and we're running everything out of shared office space. I mean, six months in the game doing sixty, seventy thousand dollar weeks. We had two offices and in a conference room we had to mark down, you know, for the whole office that we could that we could share. And uh, you know, what do you think you know, sticks out to you on what we did different, you know, because to, even to this day to go from zero to a hundred in your first year with three or four people is unheard of. What do you think stands out? I think, you know, the, the, the bond that we had, the loyalty that, that was like almost instant that, that happened, you know, I feel like God puts the right people in your life for the right reason. And for some reason that they brought us all together and something magical happened, something magical happened. 
that I don't know if it'll ever be duplicated again. But, no. I mean, the, the class that we came in with is, is all over the country leading the whole company to this day. To this day. So I think that the thing that we did, we were so together, and we could just tune out the noise. And we knew we had a common goal, a common vision, and there was absolutely nothing that was going to stand in our way from accomplishing it. Now, you've been in the game for, I mean, I, I, I just gear off myself. I know I'm, I'm 16 years in, so that I'm coming up on 17. That tells me I know you're over 15. You might, are you 16 years? Going on 16. I'm on lap 15 right okay. now. Okay. All right. So, 15, so 15 yeah. going on 16 years. And what would you tell the bulldog of, you know, 15, 16 years ago? What would you tell that bulldog sitting here right now? What would you say to yourself? I would tell them, just like you thought back then, that you could trust in your leadership. You could trust the division of, of, of Mr. Sarace, Marcus Smith, and Simon Arias. You know, everything they told you is going to come true. And it did. With a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifice. Nothing ever came easy. Amen. Nothing ever fell into our laps. Amen. We made it happen. The, uh, you know, the one thing that sticks out to me to this day about you is just a, another level of loyalty. You know, not just to me or the organization, but just to your friends, you know, to just people that you are close to. You know, me and you have talked about losing, you know, friends, you know, that were close to us. We never thought would would already be, you know, passed on. But just the way that you take care of people and, and the loyalty that you have for people is the type of people that I like to to keep myself around. And, and I think that loyalty has, has earned you a lot of your, a lot of your success in, in, you know, right now, you know, as a partner in the organization with, with, uh, Saray Smith and, and, uh, officer Hartwig over there, the, the, uh, renewals that you were able to build up to yourself before you even became uh, a partner, what was your renewal amount you, you were getting before you became a partner? Before I became a partner, it was uh, on average, Right around twenty five to twenty six thousand. Twenty five thousand plus a month in renewals. Now that's what you were supposed to make in a year. Absolutely. That's what Kelly wanted you to make in a year. Yeah, every time we get a renewal check, I tell tell her I bought paid another, up for the year. Bought another year. Come on. Paid in advance. Come on. Crazy man. What what would you say are the are the key traits? Because you've developed a lot of leaders now over the years. What what would you say are some of the key traits to some of the best leaders you had an opportunity to coach? You know the the people that I like to surround myself with the most really care about the people that they're entrusted with. Like we hear it all the time. When you're in leadership, it's a, it's a selfless position and it truly is. You have to care more about others than you care about yourself. You know, when you can take someone from walking in the door, flat, broke, busted inside and outside, and then turn them around. I don't think there's any better feeling in the world I know. than to have a part of, part of that. Like I've got several in my organization that, that came in, you know, with nothing. And now I see cats buying their dream houses. I see them driving nice cars. I see them becoming husbands, becoming fathers. You know, the first hire I ever had is still by my side today. And I take great pride in that because in our industry, there, there's a lot that happens. And most people that start with you don't end up finishing with you. And I've got quite a few that have been along the whole ride. And I take great pride in seeing them become amazing fathers, amazing family men, and still excelling in business as well. To me, that's what leadership's all about, is caring about other people first. On the flip side, you know, you've also had an opportunity to see people that had the talent that were good and didn't end up making it long term or they would fail. What, what sticks out to you about those people? 
I think, you know, a lot of people that come in and, and don't have instant success, like we're in a, we're in a now society. Like if you send somebody a text message and they don't send it back in like two seconds, like three minutes later, you're like, what's wrong with this person? Five minutes later, you're like pacing. Ten minutes later, you're getting angry. Like people put the phone down every now and again. So I think people people give up too soon. People come in and like if they don't have success in the first three months, they're like, I got to find something else. You know, you wouldn't have wanted to be, be me the first three years in business. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like you would not have wanted to do that today, you know, but later on it, it's worth it. So it, at the beginning, there's like that imbalance toward, towards work in any company you go to. There's going to be a lot of onboarding. There's going to be a lot of learning process, but it, it's tilted way towards business and work at first. But, but the thing kind of levels out. Like I'm working harder now than I ever have now that I'm a partner because my name's on the wall and I take great pride in that. However, it's a different type of work. Yep. Different hard. Yeah, it's a different hard. Choose your hard. No doubt. You know, I hear you say all the time, you, you could have an easy life now and a hard life later, or you could have it hard now and easy later. We had it hard at the beginning. No doubt. We had it hard at the beginning. And I'm not saying it's easy now, but it's a different kind. Way easier that makes now. Sense. Yeah, way easier. way way easier now. But, you know, why don't you talk a little bit more about that, man? Like, you, you talk about what were you, when you say it was hard, you know, in those first first couple years, what, what was that like? What were you thinking? And then give somebody the encouragement to know what it's like now. You know, we're, just like me and you, I'm still working hard, mm -hmm. but it's different. You know, what things can you do with your kids? What things can you do with your wife? What times can you get home if you choose to now because of how those first few years played out? Yeah, absolutely. I think it set a foundation. At first, it was difficult when, when I came in because I was used to being the owner. I was used to calling the shots. I was used to leading the direction and... and I came in, and it's like I got to understand that I'm a baby here. Like you put me in the nightclub biz back then, I could, I could I, lines around the building, you know. But then when I came here, it was like I don't know anything. I can't walk. I can't crawl. You know, Mike Vasu was just in my house, and he had baby Troy in, in there, and and like you had to do everything for baby Troy. And it was the same in the business. I didn't know anything, so I had to kind of reset, and I had to understand that if 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 you told me. The wall, this wall is blue, and I'm looking at a gray gray wall. I'm like, all right, cool, it's blue. You know, I didn't question anything. I always wanted to run the plays that were called to the T. I wanted to be the most coachable player. Sometimes in my head, you know, I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work, but they keep telling me everything they've told me has come true. So I kept kept running the plays, kept running the plays, kept running the plays, and the plays just started stacking up and stacking up, and everything kept growing. So it was a beautiful run th through that. What would you say you're, cause we're still growing, we're still learning. You know, Absolutely. every few years I look back and, and say, man, I wish I knew three years ago what I know now. What, what, what would you say you're better at now than you were five years ago that has impacted you? Definitely patience, definitely patience. I, I've, you know, I was listening to a podcast uh, on the way over, you know, the three hour drive, I listened to podcasts the whole way. Uh, and, and it was like understanding that, that like one of them was like your, your, your drive for perfection is, is hurting your relationships. So a lot of times, you know, when there's different levels of, of leadership, if you, if you're an eight and you got, you know, fives, what is the law of the lid? Like you can't expect a five to be an eight yet. Like I, I got, I've gotten a lot better at seeing people for where they can be and not necessarily for where they are and understanding people are going to make mistakes. 
And back in the day, I would, I would just snap, you know, a little bit of a temper, you know, and I've really worked hard on getting that and not sweating the little things, but making sure the little things get done. But not as, you know, just understanding and giving more grace, I feel, is somewhere I've went, especially when it comes to patience. Same. For sure. Same. I've definitely I've been one. your lead on it. Where I've grown in, you know that. Yep. You, I remember we laugh little, about it all I the time. the little red red dot Simon would get on his head back in the day, yep, and it was vein. like, it's coming. Something's yep. happening. Yeah. It's on. What, 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 what have been some of the obstacles, you know, that you could think about that maybe you've had to overcome on your journey over the last 15 years? Man, you name it, we've seen it. Every time I think something can't happen crazier that we've been through, somebody finds that another level of crazy that, that a situation arises. I mean, I've, I've been through it all from, from deaths to, to suicides, you know, to, to betrayal, uh, to, 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 you know, the greatest of times. Everybody sees the good. It's like social media. Everybody, it's the highlight reel. Nobody no putting the struggle out, out there. Right. You know what I mean? So right. people see social media and, and that's an obstacle these days in our industry. People making one thing look like it's it's a pot of gold when really you get there and there's a bunch of bunch of rusty pennies in the deal. You know, so you gotta be careful of of what you look at out there on social media. It's a huge obstacle, I feel today. Uh it, it can be a good tool and it can be a bad one at the same time. So mm-hmm. it's a double edged sword. Uh there, so many things have, have come up, you know. It, it's you name it. We, we've been through it. Now, now you're the same. What's, what's the mindset when these things do come up that maybe somebody could adopt to help them get through adversity? Really t- tune out the noise. You know, that like when horses are, are racing, you know, this analogy you taught me back in the day, they have these, these blinders on so they can't see to the right and they can't see to the left. You know, you got to have a clear vision and you got to know where you're going. And there's nothing in the world that, that can stop you. It's like the Steelers last year. All they kept hearing about was Ben's washed up, Ben's washed up, Ben's washed up. Well, Ben was good enough to get that team who had no business getting to the playoffs to the playoffs. But imagine being in that locker room, even imagine being Ben, hearing all the noise, knowing everything you've done for the city, everything you've done for the organization, turned your life around, and all he keeps hearing is this, this, and this. But the locker room, Inside, I know we've both got friends inside that locker room. They just tune the noise out. So you got to be able to have tunnel vision and keep going towards your destination and run your race and not necessarily run somebody else's Mm. race. Mm. Speaking about, you know, running your race, you know, I think two of my, you know, I want to ask you, you know, if you could think of, you know, if it was just somebody had a poster of you, picture of you, and said, man, these are the two words that that he kind of is most passionate about that I would describe him with. You know, like for me, you know, I think my two words that I'm most passionate about talking about, if somebody says, hey, all right, gun to your head, man, pick two things you want to preach on, you want to talk to people on, you want to teach on that you're passionate about, that you wouldn't have to fake and pull from somewhere. Mine would be discipline and sacrifice, Mm -hmm. you know, and how those things really pull together in anything that you want to do to get you to where you want to be. What, what one or two words would you say stick out to you as something you're passionate about talking about? First one would, would, would be uh, discipline because it takes discipline to do anything. Like there's times I don't want to get up. There's times I don't want to go at it. There's times I just want to sit back a little bit. You know, yesterday, you know, my, my son had a football game and I had to sacrifice that to get over here to be with my teammates and we had a dinner at night. So I had to sacrifice that. It took discipline to do that. 
And then, you know, the second word that, that I, w- I would say it, it is, is relentless. You have to be absolutely relentless in your pursuit of success, however you want to define it. Mm. Like there's nothing in the world that, that will stop. What do you mean by relentless? That's a, that we just I just had a friend of mine, professional MMA fighter, Jake Lowry, was on. He just one of his words he chose was relentless. So describe what you mean by relentless. To me, to to be relentless is is like nothing will 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 shake, nothing will rattle. I mean, I've been in highs, I've been in lows, and I know Roger Smith was on the podcast, you know, a few weeks ago, and he said the highs are never as high as you think, and the lows are never as low yep. as you think. When it comes to business, you got to be relentless in your pursuit. You can't get rattled. You can't get shook. You can't get rolled. There's going to be obstacles. You know, your your person that's closest to you, your right hand, one day might not be there. You never know. So you got to be relentless in your development of the future. You got to be relentless of your, of your pursuit of your vision. Nothing can shake you when, when you're at, at the top, Amen. as they would say. Amen. Maybe in, in closing... If, if you could, you know, maybe give some advice to somebody listening out there that's starting in our business, you know, and they want what you have, they, they want to live the life that you have, you know, currently right now, what are some words that you can give somebody in their first couple months, or even just somebody that's an entrepreneur in a business in general that they haven't quite made it yet, and they're just kind of getting rolling in whatever it is that they're doing, what, what words of, of closing advice would you give them? You know, you got to find people that you look up to, no matter where you're at in business or in life. You know, you always have someone that you look up to. You always want to seek a good mentor, you know. So, like, I'm I'm still chasing you, you know. I'm not where, where I want to be. I'm not where I'm going to be. But I'm never going to stop trying. Like, I'm still trying to get to Simon's level. You know, I've been blessed to be a partner for going on four years now. And you've been on your own for almost 14 years. So you got a decade on me still, Yep. you know, but I still look up to you every single day. I still want to make you proud, you know, and I appreciate our relationship in that regard. You got to find somebody like that. You know, you got to find somebody that models the behavior that you want. You got to find somebody that you look up to. You got to find somebody that you can, you can trust. And in this world, it's hard because you never really know. But there's a few individuals, you know, that, that you know you can trust. You find those people and you just listen to every word they say and trust everything that they do and really just follow the plan that they lay out. Mm. You know, I heard one of the first things I heard was trust in your leadership. You know, and back in the day, you know, when it was, it, it was, I mean, Mr. Serace, how could you not trust him? You know, I, I never met a millionaire before I came to this company. He was the first one I ever really met. Yep. You know, and I had a certain mindset of what a millionaire looked like. Yep. And, and acted like, and he was totally different, you know, and then that was passed on to Marcus, which was passed on to you, which was passed on to me. So carrying that torch of your mentors, you know, I don't think there's a higher How life changing, you know, for us, Unbelievable. you know, the, the model and the picture, you know, of, of that, you know, just like, you know, we both were raised blue collar, your dad, your family was firefighters. And, you know, my family was in the union in Youngstown and, and, uh, you know, my, our, our, you know, my picture that I got of, of people that had money was like, snooty snobs same no good don't care about nobody and it couldn't have been the opposite uh any more untrue than what that what we found in in jim serace that would be like a father figure you know to me and a mentor to so many of us of just a servant you know leader caring about people teaching us how to give of ourselves, teaching us how to give of money of of our resources 
humbling us, you know, teaching us that the world ain't all about us. You know, it's, it's, it's about not just pleasing the world, but it's about pleasing God and, and, uh, what that's done for us and how we just, you know, even though it, it'll be tough to ever reach the level of, of, uh, the type of character of Jim, you know, that just striving for that, you know, is, is made us all, you know, better people for sure. and, and Marcus, you know, what a, what a just absolute beast and genius in the business, you know, savage, even Marcus has softened up you know, over the years, the Marcus we got now, as hard as, as he is, that's, that's about half the Marcus that, that, uh, that we came up with and, and, uh, how much has that blessed us, oh, you know, coming sure, up in, sure. in, the, in, the, in that People tough. People that are closest to Marcus really understand his heart. No doubt. If you really know his heart, then, you know, the tough times, we always know where, where it's coming from. No doubt. Sure. No for doubt. Sure. And I'm forever grateful for Marcus as well. Amen. You are, Amen. Me too. And, uh, you know, I just, just, you know, to wrap, wrap this up, man, I just want to say, uh, Bulldog, thank you for your time. And, uh, thank you for your friendship, friendship, years of loyalty. You know, I think the real test, you know, for us was what we already knew to be true. You know, I know when, when I left Columbus and, uh, to come to Pittsburgh, something I wanted to, to give back to the organization that had given so much to me is, is I, I would have never, ever, uh, left if I didn't know that my next, person in charge was going to take that thing to places that even beyond what we were able to take them to with, with me being there, I would have never left Saray Smith without knowing that somebody was going to be in a better position and that the organization was going to be just fine. You know, with, without me, I owed those people that much. And, uh, you made it easy on me. You know, I knew you had everything down. I knew your heart, you know, was right. And, uh, you know, even though we were only in business together for a short period of time, less than two years, you know, we were we were in business together. We knew we had a, a relationship and a bond that went beyond, you know, business. And it proved to be true after that, you know, when no money was being made off of one another and, and uh, nobody that you had to impress and nobody I had to take care of to make money on, our relationship got better. Our relationship grew uh, when there was no money involved, no reason, you know, for us to be in business. Uh, and I, I really value that, man. I value you as a person, as a, as a friend. It's been really awesome to see what you've done uh, with your life, with your family, with your business, and, and for so many other people. Uh, people hit me up all the time, you know, uh, messaging me and, and uh, about, you know, mentorship and guidance. And uh, that's what really started the mindset for me and Marcus to start the cash money mentoring thing was was man, it was, it was a good thing, but it was just overwhelming to have to say, no, no, I can't, I don't have time. You know, I'm already struggled to get the people in my own business, the amount of time I, that they deserve, uh, let alone going out and giving other people that aren't in the business time. And so we started cash money mentoring. And, and so I just wanted to remind folks that are listening. If you, if you know people that need help, uh, that need some guidance and mentorship, uh, Marcus Smith, the guy that brought me and Bulldog up, uh, and, and myself partnered in Cash Money Mentoring. You can check it out, cashmoneymentoring.com. And uh, it's just a place where we come a couple times a month to try to give guidance and, and mentorship to people that are looking for it. So uh, thanks for joining us, Bulldog. Thanks for everything you do for this company. Thanks for joining us, everybody, on another episode of The Grindcast. Get ready. It's a new day. Okay.